0: Hello and welcome to the Dead Litter Movie Podcast. This is episode 87, recorded August 6th, 2023. I'm Tim. I'm Andrew. And as we alluded to last time, we are continuing our Atomic Summer series with a, a little bit of a departure. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of actual atomic material here, but... Uh, we wanted to provide some some uh, alternate perspective and, and follow-up from last week's episode of Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is 1988's Grave of the Fireflies, directed by Takahata Isao. This is uh, an animated Japanese film about civilians in the latter days of the Second
1: World War. Yeah, it looks like from the historical events enacted, it looks like we're having... This looks to be in like June of 1945 when this starts. I think. Uh, um, thereabouts, yeah. Yes, yeah. it's,
0: it's it's right at the end.
1: Yeah, it's right at the end. And what I what this kind of gives a good visual for is there's a scene in in Oppenheimer where they're talking about where Japan is before they're going to drop the bomb. And like what kind of situation Japan is in and how one of the, I don't remember if it's a general or not, but one of the war guys, one of the military folks was like, I think we could get this done, you know, relatively soon without having to drop this. And this kind of shows why he was thinking that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So this is the, the story of a brother and sister who are orphaned after a firebombing. bombing. Um, they lived in Kobe. And they are on their own for this. For most of this movie, they live with an ant for a time, but then eventually get sick of their ants shenanigans. Uh, the ant doesn't treat them particularly well, and so they go and live in—I don't know. When I, in my notes, I just said, "All right, we're going to live in a cave." It's not really a cave, but
0: yeah, it, yeah. it was a,
1: its
0: its a like a like a bomb shelter, but nobody was was using that had been mm-hmm. dug previously, kind of yeah. out in the middle of nowhere.
1: Right. And this is based off of a 1967 short story. Um, it's also semi-autobiographical. Semi Isao um, uh, had also grown up at this time as well, the director. He had also had an experience with a firebombing fire where he was separated from his family. Um, he was able to get back with them. But so he was able to draw on a lot of that when they were making the film. And so this is giving a very different perspective than what we usually get when we're talking about World War II out here in the states um we don't have a lot of media covering the Pacific Theater so much um the and, and even even in our combat movies I think really all I can remember is like uh the thin red line and uh, letters to Iwo Jima flags of our fathers like those yeah those there there are a
0: few uh there was a there's a miniseries called the Pacific um, yeah yeah There have been a couple of film adaptations of the Battle of Midway.
1: Yeah. The Pacific was a Ken Burns thing, right?
0: I believe that's correct. Yeah. can't recall.
1: Yeah. I mean, there is a Baton movie um, that you can watch, but uh, I don't know if it's good, (laughs) but it exists. Um, Same theater, different conflict, but, um, or same, you know what I'm trying to say here, Um, but um, Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so the, you know, one like Tim was saying, we wanted to kind of look at this from a different perspective, and I also wanted us to look at this from a, you know, non-kaiju way of looking at the Japanese processing of the end of the war for them as well. So, mostly for us out here in America, we when we think about this, we generally think about, you know, Gojigura, um, or any number of Godzilla movies you want to think of. Mm-hmm. and And that is, like, apt. I mean, like, that's not a bad thing for us to consider, but Especially when it comes to artistically processing, having gone through such a terrible, you know, outcome. But at the same time, this is a much more human story. We're getting a more realistic point of this, and it's interesting that this is an animated feature when this could have been like this could have been live action. But however, yeah. putting it in putting it in animation gives it uh, it gives it something extra. It almost it's interesting because like. Being able to put that artistic flourish on it makes it kind of more heart-wrenching, maybe. I don't know. What, I, I, what, what... No,
0: I I think you're right about that. I think it being animated makes it more approachable, more accessible mm-hmm. to yeah. a wider audience. Uh, like you said, this this was based on a on a story that was, you know, published in print. Um, there apparently have been two other live-action adaptations of the same story yeah. since. But you know, this this is a little different, uh, because it is animated. Uh, in and in Japanese culture, they tell a lot of stories in in animation, as as we've mentioned here on the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is just you know it's it's a it's a medium. It's not a genre. Yep. It covers covers an awful lot. So this is this is a very small, intimate, very human drama. There's there's not a lot of fantastical. You know there there are no no kaiju no
1: no yeah. you
0: know pocket monsters or or anything of of the sort
1: no none of that um that uh that kind of action uh i don't know like that that kind of that action flourish that a lot of anime have like yeah that's yeah.
0: that's very much not here this in terms of its its framing its its storyboards how how everything is shot for for lack of a better word yeah, yeah. um is is very much the way one might shoot you know any any live action project that's that's of this nature it's it's a very small intimate human drama about this this brother and sister uh because it is animated it is necessarily a little bit stylized Uh but i i think like i said that makes it a little more approachable and kind of gives it a little bit more weight we Mm -hmm. we look at it with uh, a little bit more openness than we might otherwise do.
1: And I think we as American audiences, and this was more probably more true in 1988, is um, we, we have a thing where we kind of put, we subconsciously, I mean, this is less of a thing now, but I mean, like we kind of think of animation as being a thing for kids and to have yeah. kids be the the main characters of the story in an animated thing and then having to go through this terrible situation. It just adds to that.
0: It does. And to some degree, this, this film is intended for children to some degree,
1: to some degree. It's a, uh, yeah. Generally when it comes to like age things, I'm kind of like, whatever, I mean like know your kid. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> however,
0: I I agree. However, uh, yeah. this, this particular movie apparently never actually got a theatrical release in North America. I think if it had, if it had gone through the ratings board, this would probably have been a PG 13. There's likely um, there's possible well, in some it stuff could have, in it.
1: It could have been a PG in 88. Um, in, in
0: 88, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, Nowadays, yeah. I feel like
1: they would have given it a PG 13 for sure. Yeah. Um, so
0: this, this is not necessarily for the youngest kids. Uh, yeah. This, this is not necessarily for families, but this, this is about, you know, japanese civilians processing all of this in the wake of you know a lot of horror that they endured at the end of this
1: right and the the dvd that i had says three and up i'm like um no no
0: <laughs> hard no
1: yeah anyway um i mean there's no bad language but it's got some disturbing images that's for sure It's
0: some some really very disturbing images yeah and, and even if it hadn't it is one of the saddest things i think i have ever ever seen it is
1: yeah this gets on the list of saddest movies ever made often
0: it it, it really does it usually
1: makes the top five of whichever list you're looking at
0: Deservedly so. So even without disturbing imagery, I would not show this to anyone, you know, if you know, for for me, probably younger than about maybe 10.
1: Yeah, 10 10 well, and I think a lot of that is like 10 10 years old is when you're actually kind of getting a better grasp of things. I mean, certain seven-year-olds yeah. are able to handle that, but yeah, like that kind of understanding of the world. But I don't know. Again, know your kid. I don't know. Like it's sort of one of those things where like nowadays we would make a PG 13, but it's kind of like on this cusp. So yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's in it's in sort of a weird gray area.
1: Yeah. And and that's and that's because like you know it's made in Japan they have a whole different system out there and so yeah. they yeah. they do things differently um which you know and that's true about any movie made outside of America like will have its own different parameters that it's thinking of like British movies have like a they have a 15 rating and so like yeah, things yeah. get adjusted accordingly. Um, anyway, so so this is a, a smidge context. I don't have a whole bunch here. Um, so this is the this is an early film for um, Studio Ghibli. This is after Castle in the Sky. Um, this is not a Miyazaki movie um so it has it's one of those things typically when people think of studio ghibli movies they think of all the the, the miyazaki so you know like my neighbor totoro and um uh, spirit away there we go <laughs> like you know the yeah. big ones yeah yeah so a lot of people kind of think of that and so this is i uh, i'm reticent to say this is the most popular one not directed by him but it i don't know it, it may very well be but um, it's, it's yeah. up
0: the list for sure
1: it's up the list so this is the movie that came out before Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service so that kind of gives you an idea of where we are in 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 the span of things and so in Japan this was released as a double feature with My Neighbor Totoro which is an interesting pairing I both movies deal with kids going through a particularly bad event Um, I will say that the kids in Grave of the Fireflies are going through a particularly worse event Um, not that you know pain isn't pain but (laughs) they uh, the kids in My Neighbor Totoro do not seem to be in a war although it's kind of hard to ascertain what time frame that yeah. my neighbor totoro takes place in um but they do have like a sick mom they have to deal with but they aren't also being blown up on a regular basis so you know <laughs> judge things there but there is a spectrum yeah so this is one of the first movies that in in the 80s it's not like we didn't have movies uh we it's not like we didn't have animation movies for adults at the time it's this was one of the first movies that really started to get picked up uh, picking up the general consciousness of maybe animation isn't just for kids or is a unique art form that needs to be respected for, for what it is. Now we've had this for a long time. Ralph Bakshi had been kind of trying to do that in the States for a while. And, 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 you know, although people like, you know, people like movies that he made, it's like, it doesn't really hit like it does later. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: Bakshi had a you know kind of a particular style and and things he was was covering it's like okay this isn't for kids but it was not in the same vein the same tone as this is
1: yeah um especially a lot of his stuff is rotoscoped so Mm -hmm. he's he's very much using I mean not everything but I mean he's very much using actual human movement that he's working on and so there's Uh, the there's a different it's a different kind of artistic flourish than what we're getting here and you know and that's the difference between american animation and japanese animation but i mean like there's there's a lot of things there and so roger ebert was one of the first people to really champion this movie i mean he also really championed um tojuro when they came out as well and so you can find an interview with him that's on the dvd that's also you can find it on youtube you can hear him talk about how important he found this and how it was such a different situation for him. And he he talks about how he found the way that other nations treated the war very differently. Um, he brings up that, um, de- apparently, depending on the, on the release that you watch, um, that it's just kind of the enemy. It's never specifically the United States or, or anyone else. It's just, they just kind of look at it from that perspective. And the thing that I like about that is that it brings up that... You know, when we make movies, it's always like the Nazis. It's always like the specific person that we're Mm -hmm. going against. But we never, we don't really reckon with how this is dealing with the average person as much. I mean, we have movies like that, but it's not like this. And I think that that's a pretty apt description of what's going on here. It's not about... It's about the war. I mean, this is a World War II movie, but it's about how the war is affecting an everyday person. And I think because we really only got hit with with Pearl Harbor, we don't really have that kind of, yeah. like as Americans, we don't really have this kind of story to talk about.
0: Yeah. The, the war did not come home to America in the same way that it did for a lot of other countries because that, the war was not fought on American soil. That's Exactly so naturally their experiences are, are going to be different and and the art that comes out of that is going to be just as different Thanks, indeed And yeah,
1: and so there's a lot of I don't know, there's there's quite a lot in this movie that I think is quite good. Um the art is obviously of course the big thing that you know everyone's going to say this is one of the probably one of the best animated movies. Yeah. Ever made. Yeah, it's um,
0: it is absolutely beautifully drawn
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I I had a hard time with uh it, I I had moments here and there where I I was trying to just look at it for mm-hmm. for the artistry of of the drawing and and the animation but the the story itself the actual material is it it's it's just so sympathetic and, mm-hmm. and draws you in its you almost can't even notice it unless you're making a point too and and it, when you do it feels like you're missing the point of the movie
1: yeah i was uh, i watched an interview with the with the director and at one point he said the thing about this being an animation is like it's a pure way to tell the story is to do it in animation and i think that's what you just said is what he wanted by, yeah. by, by doing that. Yeah. And so, and, and yeah, um, I think the, the voice characterization is uh, now uh, Tim and I watched the, the Japanese um, language one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like the, and they were, and they had, um, they, they had a like five-year-old girl, um, you know, voice the sister and he, uh, there you can, uh, in the, in the interview, he talks about how like that was you know a bit of a challenge. Um, cause it was his first time like working with like a young kid, and but he he kind of i think he kind of had a fight for it at first because he wanted it to be kind of like a he wanted to have a more realistic approach to what was going on and so like i think that's that was the best call
0: yeah yeah it it's it all feels very authentic very true to life you know not in spite of but somewhat because of the the stylized art
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it's like I've not, I have never seen any of the English dubbings on this, so I'm very curious what those those could be like. Um,
0: I'm I'm curious too. Um, so the the copy I have has both the the original English dub in a, a lower quality because apparently yeah. the, the masters were lost, and uh, a newer one that was done around 2012. I watched it with the original Japanese audio and what mm-hmm. apparently was a newer subtitle pass than it had previously been released with.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah they'll they'll often you know up, update translations or you know yeah you know try to update maybe not the right word but in a sense kind of update um because we'll understand nuances of languages a little bit better sometimes um but yeah uh yeah there's like i think one of the one of the best the actual firefly sequence is probably you know it's it's one of the scenes talked about the most but it's also a very good you know, allegory of what we're going to be dealing with. We have, like, uh, they capture a number of of fireflies and like have them in their, in their in their dwelling in their cave for a little bit, um, and then they die the next day and they have to bury them. And this is all beautifully shot, but it also gives a pretty good understanding of this whole situation in a very poetic and symbolic way.
0: Yeah, it's 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 very much the uh, the story encapsulated in miniature in in the middle of the narrative there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the way they make it, they make them glow is like really neat. Yeah. They just, it makes the, the way it's, the way it's drawn, the way it's painted is just so uh, luminous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to use those, 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 those words. Yeah. That yeah. works. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we, uh, if we, if I think about this in the context of seeing this after my neighbor Totoro in a double feature, um, getting that first scene where he's like, "This is the day I died," and we have this like afterlife train that they're mm-hmm. that they're on. Um, I think that that was. I don't know when they made the choice to have this be a double feature. Um, the director talked about how this movie was well received, but it often depended on which one you saw first, how better received it was. Um, now that it's no longer like you know bounded in that way, um, people are able to kind of look at it without that in mind. Um, but I think that first scene if you had just seen My Neighbor Totoro, which, you know, is a happy movie. It has its downside, I mean, it has its sad moments, but I mean, it is generally a happy movie, but you would it would be kind of a big switch. And having that moment of... This is a sad movie. Please prepare yourself early on, and mm-hmm. going on, and like you're going to watch in the in the span of this movie, you're going to watch two children deteriorate and die um, due to the fact that you know. Well, spoiler alert that whatever. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. the
0: movie tells you that right up front, right you know, away, like like, yeah. like you said, and I I think that sort of helps to mm-hmm. to have that, and it's it's not really shocking in the way it's presented at at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But it, it also doesn't make the rest of the movie less sad as as you see how we got to that point, how how these these characters ended up where they did.
1: Exactly, yeah. And uh, yeah, like so. It's like I don't know. I have things that pretty much mostly work for me. Um, I I don't think I have anything that doesn't work for me in this movie. It's all like it's it's well made. It's got great music to go with it. The art is fantastic. Their acting is fantastic. The way they tell the story is like. It'll, and the best way to tell the story, I'm very curious what the live action versions are like. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're more disturbing because, you know, you're seeing like actual people. But like, I well, think yeah. that whole, that purity of telling it this way is, would be something that's lost. And so I'm kind of curious what that looks like.
0: Yeah. So according to ye old Wikipedia.
1: Oh, wiki.
0: Um, as, as I mentioned, there have been two live action adaptations of this since. One was a, a television project. It was mm. sort of a mini series and explores the story from the perspective of the, uh, the two central children's cousin. Oh, okay. and, uh, and, and goes a little more into the character of the aunt and mm-hmm. how she got to where she is in, in this version of the story. I, I have not you know read the, the original short and I haven't seen these other adaptations. Mm. You know, she's you know, a little bit sympathetic at the beginning, but still, kind of uh, cold and and stoic and standoffish and and that deteriorates as as it goes on apparently the uh, this this television version explores a little more how she got there Mm -hmm. why she is where she is at that point and i feel like maybe there's there's some more story to tell there i don't know if it's in the original text or not i don't know either but yeah I, i felt like there's there's something more to this character. She's she's got to be more complex than that because there's there's this moment where it's it's basically a heel turn for her, and that was that was shocking uh, for for us the audience, but you know also for for the central characters these these two children as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was very much as intended. I think it would be interesting to see you know that that little bit more of of the ants' humanity, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's necessary for this version of the story i think this does exactly what it wants to do and Mm -hmm. does it very well
1: right and you know in a war context it's it's kind of hard to figure out what's the most ethical thing to do sometimes Yeah. yeah yeah um yeah yeah, so i don't know do you have do you have anything that doesn't like work for you at all in this
0: no no i i really don't i mean there's there's nothing that that sticks out to me it's like you know this this took me out of the movie or <laughs> I, I love or, or anything like that.
1: that as someone with a spicy brain i'm just like oh just to have the privilege to not be taken out of the movie um yes uh, Well, I
0: mean, there's, there's a whole conversation to be said about that. And I do say that sometimes Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of what movies are supposed to be, but Mm -hmm. uh, that, that aside, no, nothing, nothing detracted from the, from the narrative or, or my sympathy Mm -hmm. with the characters here. Yeah. You're with them the whole time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, not only, so not only do we have the death after that, but then pretty soon after we have that Kobe firebombing. And yeah. like that, you know, and we're with them during that endemic them, ex- them surviving that. So we're, we're with them for the rest of the movie, no matter what, at that point, not just, you know, physically, I mean, like, they're literally the, like the only people on screen, but I mean, like we're with them as an audience, like we're on their side from the get go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the one thing I will say, and this, this is not a, not exactly a criticism, more an observation yeah. mm-hmm. um, is the, the difference in perspective from, uh, from a standpoint of time. Mm, this is okay. uh, be, be, because we start off and, and we, okay, this, this is sort of where the story ends
1: mm-hmm. and
0: we're telling you up front. Most of the movie is told in a sort of flashback, mm-hmm. but we do have a few moments here and there where we see sort of the, the perspective of, of these children's spirits looking back on that. Mm-hmm. As yeah. a sort of a, a frame for that flashback. Right. Uh, I, I found that interesting. I didn't find it distracting mm-hmm. exactly, but it, it did sort of catch my attention.
1: Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. So what do we think of this? So let, let's talk the big themes of this. And mm-hmm. so the this doesn't have the atomic element as straightforward here. Um, it instead shows the kind of situations Japan was in when we decided to drop the bombs. And there's a lot of reasons behind this. Um, I'm not going to go into the ethical things of that. um, Yeah,
0: that's that's a a bigger conversation. We're not going to solve it here.
1: Exactly. Um, I I will fall on the whole like maybe we didn't need to. Um, I will fall on that end of things. But um, like, you know, like I said in the previous one, you know, Truman wanted unconditional surrender, pissed off about Pearl Harbor. Can't yeah. say you blame them, and yeah. like the when you see the situation, like, and we as Americans didn't know that this was what Japan was in. Like, we didn't know that this we had our fire bombings had, like we had we had done more destruction with our fire bombings than we within the atomic blast did. Yeah, and
0: and and, and yeah. even prior to that. Yeah, exactly. This you know from from this perspective, this this was already a nation of people in in very very sad
1: shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's because you know someone. Someone on our side that I could give you an actual name if I had written it down, but someone was like, we need to, if we cripple them economically, like that will, you know, be able to get them to, you know, go to, to surrender sooner. And, and they were not wrong. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, because of that, we get this much more widespread suffering. And us as Americans, who have never really had to deal with war on this level, have a hard time comprehending that kind of suffering. And so like that's the thing that you know Ebert talked about you know going back to you know, going back to him like he said famously said that movies are you know empathy machines and this is probably one of the most efficient empathy machines I can think of.
0: Yeah, I I think it's very effective on mm-hmm. on that point.
1: Yeah. And so like, when I think about the general themes of, of this is like, we see just like, the, it's just how bad war is for the everyday person and not just like the everyday person that has to just go out and live their life. Um, but like what it does to children. And there isn't too many stories like this. And I mean, for a lot of that, it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of things accidentally go the way of, I don't know, they go into like a, a bittersweet world that, I don't know, kind of like lessens the impact on like this movie. Um, yeah. yeah, this uh, yeah, this movie good. does not
0: pull its punches at all. Yeah, there there yeah. are there are moments of of sweetness, but mm-hmm. I mean they're they're few and far between, and and you can tell it's it's such a small thing in the middle of everything else that's going on, and and you feel the characters feeling that.
1: Right. Well, and going back like literal sweetness. I mean, they have this candy tin mm-hmm. that um throughout that we keep going back to, and as there is less and less candy in that we're kind of like as someone who like looks at these things like especially because i just had this thing about how if we did if we made an american version of this not necessarily the story but i mean if we made an american Mm child-based story about war like we would add some extra sweetness to it you know we would try to make it a little bit more palpable easy to go through but as this this movie like as the, the sweetness of this kind of decreases along with that candy tin and i think that that and like at one point they pour water in it to be able to get you know the last of it out yeah and i and i can't help but feel like that that's got to be it got to mean something extra here
0: yeah yeah have to agree so i i i want to say the the thing that this called to mind mm-hmm. more than anything else was the uh, the opening statement in front of All Quiet on the Western Front? Not okay, so much yeah. the the most recent film adaptation, but right? Yeah, previous adaptations and the uh, the original book itself, mm-hmm. where this is not intended as either an accusation or a confession. It's it's just about these people who were destroyed by the war, mm-hmm. and I I feel like this hits even harder because you know these these aren't you know soldiers in the trenches or it's, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, whether they were drafted or, or signed up voluntarily or what have you are, right. are willing participants in the war. It's like, these are children who had nothing to do with the decisions
1: mm-hmm. or,
0: or the fighting or the conflict at all and, and how they are affected
1: by it. Right. And, and, and the, uh, the Al on the Western front thing is actually like a pretty, a pretty good way of looking at it. Although it is, a, there's always this thing about like war stories, Like when we, when people think of war stories, they tend to think of combat movies, like all quiet on the Western front is, is, you know, it's a combat story, but it's also very much looking at the individual in this, in that case a soldier and what the war did, did to him. And this movie does a pretty good job of showing the effects of war on an everyday person and how that can ravage and destroy a regular person has nothing to do with anything. Like you just said, like they have no, involvement in this at all Mm -hmm. they're just living their lives being kids and i kind of wish we had more stories like this (laughs) like just to like kind of put it out there and what we do to each other when we're warring over stuff and you know i'm not gonna like and you know it's not like there aren't just wars or anything like that i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna say that but i mean at the same time like i don't know i feel like the price of things isn't always considered and we're looking at this at a movie that is at the end of world war II, and we're and this isn't even putting the atomic blasts on hiroshima and nagasaki into the context um for that you'd have to check out barefoot again and mm. yeah and we would and i have I've, I've i know like i've read part of the manga but i've never but that was only like only like in a history class sort of way that i looked at this um, so I've never like, and there are movies, but I've never seen them. So I can't speak to if they're, they're good or not. But I mean, if you want that story, that's where that story is. And if, if we could only like consider that we're just looking at this from a firebombing situation from a other, uh, like other aspects other than atomic blast, that tells you what we were at without doing that. It kind of makes you wonder how much worse it was having also done that. And, you know, I'm reminded of that, the, the scene with Truman and Oppenheimer's, it's like, he feels like he has blood on his hands and this is this movie very much explains that blood yeah, yeah
0: yeah uh yeah even even absent a lot of direct reference or or any direct reference really to the atomic bomb the mm. that happens entirely off screen in this story uh you know the, the the kids don't really have a way of keeping up with the news they they find out you know later after it's happened that yep. you know is surrendered unconditionally there's there's nothing really about why or how or when that happened just that it already has yep and and how bad things were even before that
1: exactly yeah so this gives a lot of good historical context i think it's you know i mean it's still fiction technically but this is all very every everyone involved in this and the telling of the story had some kind of similar semi-autobiographical aspect of this be the, the original writer or the director in this case and so that i think is that's what makes this movie so important other than you know other than just being like a great piece of of art um i think it's it's very important to for especially american audiences who don't really get a lot about that end of things like we kind of romanticize what the people had to deal with in, in nazi germany but we never really talk about this um, yeah, not, yeah.
0: not in the same way. So
1: oh, you got anything else? Tim?
0: No, no, I, uh, I, I really don't. I mean, this is, this is going to live with me for, for a while.
1: Yep. 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 Yeah. I do like that. This kind of puts the human aspect on things. And if, there, if there's one thing I feel like that's kind of like missing from Oppenheimer is that there is some Some bad stuff that's kind of glossed over. I mean, like the watching this with Oppenheimer kind of gives better context to some of those later scenes in the movies where all the scientists are like, should we really be doing this, guys? Is this a is this a good idea? Um, And so like and they kind of talk about they like they almost kind of talk about the fallout that happens from Trinity, but they don't quite get there because they did always know 100% at that point, they were still learning. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff from that story that's not looked at. <laughs> like, you know, we don't talk about the, the farmers that were in Los Alamos that, you know, had their land taken from them. And we don't I mean, like we talk about the boys school a lot, but we don't talk about that stuff. But um, yeah, so the fact that this is looking at all the bad stuff. <laughs> is a thing that I think is very important and makes this essential viewing even beyond the fact that it's just a great piece of art.
0: Yeah, completely agree.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to give this an A for my grades. It's one of the best. Um, It is very much one of the saddest things you're ever going to see. But it's weird. Is that like like when we talked about totally big shift here, but when we talked about singing in the rain being perhaps too happy, um, I always said that like if a movie can be too sad, a movie can be too happy. Um, But it's weird because this movie should be too sad. And it kind of isn't if you know what I mean. Like it's, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, I, I hear you.
0: It, I, I think uh, as, as I mentioned previously, sort of the, the way the narrative is, is framed and structured sort of helps to, to blunt that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. not in such a way that it, it doesn't have the same overall impact. It's still very, very sad, but it's, it's, it's kind of like that, that, you know, spoonful of sugar where -hmm. it's, this is more approachable and 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 palatable for for those reasons.
1: And I think that's that animation thing. That's that that pure thing. That, that they, yeah, like the yeah, I, I think
0: about. the the selection of, of medium here for for this story was a, a big part of that. I don't think that's quite all of it, but it's, it's a big mm-hmm. part.
1: Yeah, yeah. So with like a what, what would you grade this as?
0: Uh, yeah, same. Straight Mm -hmm. a I Mm -hmm. I I just I can't quite give it an A plus for reasons I can't quite put my finger on. I'm I'm just you know really reluctant. It's like oh, this is you know very very best ever kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's sort of superlative. But this this is a superb film.
1: Mm, Indeed. Um, I do wish we like as you were saying earlier, and as Guillermo del Toro said famously at the Oscars this year, is that I wish we thought of animation not as a genre but as just a medium more mm-hmm. and like that i think is you know like i i kind of wish like as as the t- as a guy who's worked in video stores in the, the 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 yeah i do live in a city that has a video store and they have a whole animation <laughs> room and a, a part of me has always been kind of like i really wish that these things were kind of like put in their respective genres and and i know that you know a lot of places want to have family sections and so like that's often yep. where things get like get kind of lumped into and and that's fine um but oftentimes I, I i wish that would be like this is an animated drama this is an animated comedy this is an you know an animated sci-fi thing and, you know like i wish i wish we did that more option because because uh, I, th- I wish we did that more often because i think that would help legitimize people see it as a thing not beyond kids and i think we've gotten better at that of course but i still think it's it's still kind of there.
0: Yeah, i i feel like culturally as you know societally those steps have been incremental
1: especially compared to like 1988. Yeah,
0: yeah it's like i mean come on we're you know 30 years on here and it's like we're we're still kind of arguing that.
1: Yeah, i so. mean like this is the same year that Roger Rabbit came out which is one of those one of those big movies that like, yeah. people, oh, sometimes animation could be for adults. Never mind that, you know, heavy metal had come out like seven <laughs> years prior or whatever, or Fritz the Cat in the 70s or, you yeah. know, yeah. On, yeah, or a handful of back. other
0: backseat pieces, you know.
1: Yeah. So there's clearly these kind of things could always be, but like, it's still something that we're sort of like dealing with. And when we do try to make animation for adults, it's always kind of met sort of oddly. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of skeptically. Yeah. And it, or, or it goes into a more... Purile, <laughs> juvenile way of doing things.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's out there and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. No, no. But, but, but I, yeah. one thing that, that I appreciate about, about this and, and some other things, you know, uh, particularly mm-hmm. out of Japan is, is it demonstrates this as a medium, not a genre, because a lot of this is, You know, it's it's drama or it's it's romance or it's something else. It's 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 drawn, it's animated, Mm -hmm. but it's not for kids. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's something that we could probably take care to be doing out here out Out west. west. But yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, so, yeah, we will be having we will do at least one. So we do have one more movie in mind for our atomic summer uh, um, at least one maybe at two. least one maybe two yeah we're, we're working on that um and I, we will announce that um coming up soon but we are going to have another review episode for you before we do um our next atomic summer one so look out for that um in the coming days so yeah
0: and for now that's our show thanks for listening everybody and we'll see you next time bye, bye. <laughs>